broadcasting from the Annie Up studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, December. Nope. <laughs> Let's try that again. It's January. We've made it through the first week of January, in fact. It's January 5th, 2024. Happy New Year, and welcome to the Annie Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode is a winning experience. I'm your host, Joe Scales, and I'm looking forward to getting this year started off right. Last year, we had some new people that joined us to listen to me fumble around as I learn how to do this. Now, while I still don't profess to know what I'm doing, I do have a better idea than I once did. That said, I'd like to see us grow even more in 2024, so do me a favor and give the show a rating. It really does help other people find us. Also, I want to give some love to some new Patreon members, Ava Browning, Adrian Barrett, Mark Cantrell, and... Rex Wells. I hope to see you guys in the next Patreon members private game this month. Our number of Patreon members is growing, and I tell you what, if we can get 10 more by the end of this month, I'm going to up the prize pool for the private game to $100, and I'll give away two hoodies to winners from the Patreon members. I think 2023 was focused a lot on my growth and learning how to navigate everything, And I want this year to be focused on you guys, the Annie Up audience. I want to continue to find new ways to give back to you. The way I plan to do that is through our Patreon page and through our sponsors. So let's make this a great year. That's all I have. So let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table. We are back around the poker table with Elle. How are you? Good. I'm doing really well. Happy Friday. It's a little lonely without some of our other friends around the table, but it's always good to be around the table with you. How are you? I'm good. It's, you know, trying to stay warm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is always a, a struggle with me, <laughs> but, but, uh, so we have a lot of topics that can, have come up throughout the week. Yeah. This Some week. Pretty heavy ones too. Uh, the, the poker yeah. community is quite chatty this week. It's been interesting to see. <laughs> Let's start with the women's events. Oh yeah. Light a fire under me uh, real quick. <laughs> Uh, so Harris in Cherokee, first of all, they released their schedule for the upcoming circuit stop there. Yeah, their buy-in went from 250 down to 140. And uh, if you could see me, you would see my head turn sideways and, hmm, that's a red flag. So I think that kind of caused a little concern, right? For the women's event, yeah. 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 It's not only did the amount go down from 250 to 140, but they removed it as a ring event. So, 
And ding, 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 that's what set the poker community on fire. Yeah. I had had major concerns. Joe and I, of course, have had lots of conversation about that this week. And, you know, that wasn't the only. They were only ring events in Choctaw, Hard Rock, Tulsa, and, and Turning Stone. No ring events were mentioned for Thunder Valley, Horseshoe, Tunica, and Pompano Beach. So I think a lot of, I mean, especially women, were very concerned. Um, but I am glad to see the WSOP responding and, you know, mentioning why this could have happened and what they're doing to resolve it. So I was really pleased to hear their response. Yeah. So they actually, they said, they're, I'm just going to read their statement because I do think it was important. Um, so they said, in quote, recently we made a poor decision when limiting the number of official WSOP ring events at each stop to give each operator increased discretion in selecting events with local demand. It was never our intention to see the number of women-only events reduced. We are working with all host partners to be sure that beginning with Harris Cherokee, each remaining WSOP circuit stop in 2024 includes a women-only ring event pending regulatory approval in each jurisdiction. We hope our female poker community comes out to support the tournaments. It's a, it's, I'm glad to see that they had a response, but, you know, I think it's interesting to note that the WSOP, even though it's their name, you know, kind of branded to it, they're not the ones that choose these events. It's the locations. Well, and I and I understand that because they know the location well. They know the attendees that 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 are most likely to be there. They know the usual numbers. So ultimately, what it makes me think is, what's the easiest thing to do? The easiest thing to do is look at what's typical and what's trending and what we know we can get the most butts in seats and participants, and you know that's where the ring should go. What's more difficult is increasing your female players by hosting more tournaments or encouraging more women to play or um, having events that increase female attendance. And so I can certainly see why certain locations would have chosen uh, to remove that ring based on their usual numbers. But what I personally would love to see is the increase in trying to get women into the poker room. What are you doing there? That's the question I have. What are you doing there? Yeah, it's it's just, it's interesting that you mentioned that though because I actually have the numbers here for the ladies events in Cherokee for 2023 and 2022. So mm-hmm. in February of 2022, 196, then 122, 198, 207, 202. 198, 190, 187. So I just think it's interesting that they would make that decision when they're they're pulling in around 200 people for each one. Well, I think we'd also have to look at how many are in the other events because I can certainly understand Cherokee's position and saying, you know, we have 190 to 210 people that consistently come. We still want to have it a part of the tournament, but should it warrant a ring, I can, I can understand the argument. I think the bigger question outside of that is 
what are you doing to increase that number from year to year? Because it's pretty consistent. I mean, 190 women could just invite. That means 20 of them invited a friend. Maybe. (laughs) So, I mean, or the off chance someone's someone's visiting the area and they want to play. I certainly was heated at the beginning of the week. Lots of people on Twitter were really appreciate uh, the folks that were posting about it and the conversation that surrounded it. But more importantly, I want to just focus on the fact that the WSOP's response was admirable and really glad that they're working with each stop to say, hey, let's take a look at this. Right. You know, And I think outside of that, I would challenge uh, other poker rooms and casinos to look at what are you doing to attract women? We are different than men. We are interested in different environments. You know, what what are you doing to to bring in and attract the female poker player? I mean, all it took for me to feel comfortable was another woman at the table saying, get in here. And right. then I'm ready to go. So where is that happening? Ladies, we have a lot of work to do. I mean, that's a fair point. One of the other topics that has been tearing up the internet <laughs> has been all this talk about cheating and online poker lately. So it kind of came to a head a few days ago, maybe a week ago, when GG Poker banned a super user with almost 30,000 in unfair winnings and they confiscated that money. Well, first of all, I want to know and understand more about what a super user is. What what constitutes a super user on GG Poker? Or do you know? So a super user is a player that has access to special tools within the site that gives them an advantage to certain things, like seeing your whole cards, for instance. And it's not it's not something that the site gives them. It's something that they acquired, like through a hack or something like that. Oh, okay. This one on GG Poker, they, you know, they were making some seriously blatant calls where, you know, normally you wouldn't make those calls and it was happening over and over and over again. So that's how they got caught. People were talking about how, you know, if they would have played this smarter Mm -hmm. and not been so blatant about it, how, who knows how long they could have been going on with it. Right. And that's kind of the controversy is if that person was caught being blatant, how many people are out there with that kind of access that are being smarter about it, right? Yeah, if only people could put that same amount of power into doing good, what would the world be? Right. (laughs) Well, ACR has been, they've been battling this notion that they have bots on their site. They've been battling that for years. Right, I Um, remember that. And Chris Moneymaker did an interview uh, there was a video of him earlier laying down the gauntlet uh, to prove that there really isn't a problem on ACR. So they have said... Oh, I love their response. Love their yeah. response. <laughs> so basically, if anyone is able to create a bot on ACR that makes $5,000 on the site, they will give them 100000 on the spot. And a Just, job. And a job. That's right. And a job. So interesting contest, you could say. Yeah. 
But I mean, it also puts a challenge to their security team, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, people may be uh, kind of upping their their desire to make this happen as well. So th- I think it's cool. I think it's fun to see them kind of go at it that way. Uh, out of the out out of the box thinking there. I really do like it from you know, like I mentioned previously, I work for a technology company and that really is out of the box thinking. That is challenging the status quo to say, I dare you. And right. I I'd like for you to join join us and help us preventing from this happening or other things. I mean, sometimes you need those people to point out the weaknesses. If you could no, if you could say that yeah. or the gaps and um I love the way they responded. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it really wasn't enough for a British poker player and bracelet winner, uh, Patrick Leonard. He's pretty fed up with the whole issue and released a video on Twitter or <laughs> X. <laughs> what? I just not have a hard... you, Not that you have an opinion about that. <laughs> um that the poker pros that tie their names to these sites that have issues, he was calling them out saying it's, it's really just disrespectful. Uh, his quote was, we're, we're, we're your friends, we're your colleagues, we're your peers, and you're an ambassador for a site that's cheating us out of 5 million, 10 million, 15 million, whatever the million is. Mm-hmm. So he points out that these ambassadors are really just, continuing to support the site while turning a blind eye or even acknowledging that this is going on. So, I mean, I'm going to agree with Patrick here. I think it's fair to say publicly. So what do you think? So let's wait and see what they say. We haven't seen the response. They haven't had enough time to do that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with someone standing up and stepping up to say, you know, your name is associated with this and we all love playing together. We are all a community. So what are you going to do about it? And that's how change is made in a community. So either they'll explain why or some change will be made. So bravo, Patrick, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a good response to, again, back to challenging the, you know, in in the first case, it was um, challenging these people that are saying there's a bot to come up with one. Now it's, it's challenging these people that are the ambassadors to say, look, speak up. Don't be afraid that you're going to lose a paycheck because we think the place is playing dirty. So speak up. So I I think it's, it's a great response. And he was, he was an ambassador himself. You know, he used to be an ambassador for a poker site, internet poker site as well. So, you know, he knows what it's like. And then Speaking of challenging, <laughs> Daniel Negreanu, he's always been very forthcoming about his year-to-year results, always posts how much he won and lost, and um, even puts in, you know, I won this amount, but I played, you know, these tournaments that cost me this amount, so at the end of the year, my total was X, right? Well, his total in the end of 2023 was that he lost over $2.2 million. Uh, His biggest loss, I believe, ever. Yikes. $2.2 million is nothing to sneeze at. Right. 
think we can certainly agree with you, Negrano. We're we're happy to see 2023 behind us <laughs> as well. Sometimes it's not your best year. Uh, what I think is most important to focus on now is one that he's forthcoming about it. Super humble, but also it's very transparent of him to yeah. offer that out. I mean, he is basically a celebrity. People could look this up if they really wanted to. But the fact that he's like, here, this is it is what it is. And then now saying, all right, listen, there were some things I was doing that I need to reevaluate. Every player has to do that. Um, and I think he admitted his biggest problem was playing too many tournaments and his adjustments for 2024 are like, you know, I've had some of these side bets. I played too many tournaments. I, I'm going to cut back some of those low buy-ins and, um, you know, see what the rest of 2024. I think there were a couple other ones, right? He's said he's not going to focus on player of the year in 2024, which he has, he has focused on player of the year every year that I can remember. That's been a goal. And so in order to reach that goal, you have to play a lot of tournaments. Um, right. Well, you have to have a lot of results. I'll say that. And so he's not going to focus on that so that he can make sure that he is focusing on the higher stakes tournaments and making sure he gets rest when he can. So, well, even his wife pointed that out. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when he was in the Bahamas, that sometimes you need to take a step back. You need to get rest. You need to get up and have a good breakfast and face the next day. I mean, we talked about that with Hal last week or two weeks ago. Um, any Anyone who's played the game long enough knows there's a point at which you've got to step back, take inventory. And it sounds like that's what Negrano's doing. Uh, and I applaud him for that and for doing it publicly. That's right. big. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I don't know if there's something to that or not, but he did start the year off with a win. Um, he played in the in Poker Go Tours Last Chance Series, which was a $10,100 buy-in. So he started 2024 with a $218,400 score. So like... 10% of his money back from 2023. Right. <laughs> Bravo. See, already off to a great start. You know, and with that, I think it's important that, you know, we're transparent with our listeners too. Every year, Joe and I do a scale summit and we talk about what are the priorities for ourselves, for our family, for um, anti up. And it really sets our year off on a better foot than scrambling to determine halfway through the year, oh, what, where do we go wrong? And <laughs> I think... I think if we had Daniel Negrano here, he could say, yes, this is my focus in January, but can we reevaluate that in March? And are we going to reevaluate it in July? Absolutely. Whenever you think about resolutions or setting a goal, do it, go forth, and then adjust. Exactly. Or as our, as our son-in-law says, have another iteration, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, take another stab at it, take another look at it, have another conversation, try another option. So I feel that it is a good point for all of us as players to take a look back in the last year. How much did I play? Where did I play? What do I want to focus on doing different? How can I adjust my play? Do I need coaching? Am I interested in, in playing higher stakes? Because we all know that that can push you to a different level. So it's, I think it's real. I think he's setting forth an excellent example for all of us, either in our you know personal or poker lives to 
take notice. Lessons learned, adjust, and keep your course. Absolutely, yeah. So all in all, we'll see what the rest of 2024 looks like. It's bright. We're on the way. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, L, I appreciate you joining me again. Always. It's a pleasure to be around the table with you, Joe. Likewise. And let's do it again next week. Sounds good. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager with Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. And he joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he's with us again this week. Elliot, how are you? Doing pretty well, Joe. Keeping warm and, and feeling good. Great start to the <laughs> new year. How are you doing? It's exactly what you said. It's a great start to the new year. Get Working on the magazine, getting it ready, and trying to, like you said, stay warm. <laughs> Certainly a challenge where I'm at. Oh, yeah. You, you've got a much harder task in front of you than I do. <laughs> uh, yes. Salt everywhere. Yeah, which is uh, a whole other issue after it's all gone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this week we have a call of the floor that's sent in by Rick Branch. And he talks about a situation that we've had a couple of call the floors about in the past, but uh, I think this is a good discussion. He says, this happens at my home game, but I want to know about the rule in a casino scenario. Blinds are 10 and 20 and player A makes it $100. Player B goes all in for 174 and player C calls the 174. Is the betting reopened to player A? He says, half the table said yes, since it's more than 50% of the raise amount. And half the table said no, because the 50% rule does not apply here. People were arguing back and forth about the 50% rule, and ultimately it was 5-4 to four that yes, the 174 reopened the action to the player A. And so he was just curious what you would say. Well, this is... Uh, a fine example of what happens when we descend into mob rule and mobocracy. The outcome <laughs> was generally bad. Um, uh, the yeses were wrong and the noes were right. And I will explain because this is a worthwhile discussion. There's three rules in play here, all of which were misapplied uh, due to uh, obviously not understanding them. When it comes to a player moving all in for less than the bet, there is no 50% rule in poker. Uh, in pot limit and no limit, there's a 100% rule, which was trying to be applied by the no's in this situation, who were outvoted merely by one. You, know, you need another justice on the court there. <laughs> the 100% rule very basically states that when a player goes all in for less than 100% of the call to him or her, that that bet does not count as an actual raise. Anybody is entitled to get matched. Uh, in the betting for their chips in play because of table stakes, but it doesn't count as a bet in the action. So player A makes it 100, player B goes all in for 174, the 74 being less than 100. Obviously, his bet is not considered action. And in fact, the next player available who would like to min raise 
is not raising the person who bet 174 at all, is min raising the person who bet 100. So a min raise in that spot, even though that person all in for 174, the min raise is 200, 100 times two. So right. there is no 50% rule to be applied here. The no's are correct. There is a 50% rule in no limit hold'em, but it does not apply to all in situations. But player A bets a bets 100 and then player B just cuts out 150. Because that is 50% of the bet in play, he must make the next available minimum raise and must make it 200, two times 100. So that is the 50% rule for no limit poker. It has nothing to do with somebody being all in. It has, some, it has to do with somebody under calling or over calling. So the 50% rule for no limit, again, if, if player A bets 100 and then player B cuts out 190, because the 90 is obviously more than half of 100, he must continue it to the 200 bet and no more, no less. That is how the 50% rule for no limit poker is correctly applied. The third rule, which was applied here, which did not apply, is the 50% rule for limit poker. So for games that aren't pot limit or no limit, so we're talking fixed limit and spread limit, the 50% rule for action does apply when a player goes all in or anybody bets uh, less than half. So 100-200 limit. Player A bets 100. Player B goes 175 all in. $25 chips play, obviously, in that game. Because the 75 is 50% or more of 100, the next player who would like to raise can put 100 on top of the 175. And the betting is open to the original player who made it 100 because the neighboring player raised more than half of his own bet. So player A bets 100, player B goes all in for 125. Anybody else coming in doesn't get to raise 100 because the 25 is less than half. If they want to raise, they're raising the player who made 100. They make it 200 to go. They're completing the second bet. Right. Likewise, if it gets around to the player who originally made it 100, he doesn't get to complete the second bet. The 25 doesn't count as a raise to him because 25 is less than his own bet. It's less than half of his own bet. Therefore, if he tried to make a raise there or complete the bet, he would, in effect, be raising himself, which is patently uh, against the rules of poker. <laughs> and, and the old line I give to people, uh, sir, you can't raise yourself. Uh, only orphans get to raise themselves. <laughs> uh, so, yes, there were three rules. At least a few people knew of the rule and didn't get to apply it. But, yes, a half or more applies more in limit than no limit. And for no limit, it doesn't apply to all in bets. It applies to people putting out too many or too few chips. So, again, a lot of rules to get straight. But these rules are important to making the game work correctly. Right. And it sounds like, Rick, it sounds like you knew somewhere in there that this was, uh, it sounds like maybe one, you were one of the four <laughs> that voted in this case. <laughs> I'm hoping you were writing for the minority here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I hope that clarifies things for you and the group so that the next time when you guys are in this situation, you will be able to have a unanimous vote <laughs> correct there was much more weight <laughs> so yeah so that's pretty it's pretty cut and dry but it it is one that i think kind of trips people up quite a bit in home game situations so again glad that you were able to clear it up elliot and if anyone else has a call the floor that they would like 
for Elliot to break down, send it to podcast at com. And Elliot, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Keep those submissions coming, everybody. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. We are back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. How you doing, man? Joe, I am good, man. How's li- how's life? How's holidays? Good. We didn't uh, we didn't do anything spectacular for the new year, but um, but how about you? Uh, we did not either. Christmas was great. Uh, new year was um, about like you would think with um, you know at our age and kids and whatnot. Uh, we saw midnight <laughs> and we went to bed. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that was pretty much Uh, it it was awesome yeah so before we get into the hand of the week let's give a shout out to our hand of the week sponsor jackpot digital and their jackpot blitz tables if you have not heard us talking about these tables uh where have you been (laughs) yeah first off you should have if you haven't been listening um they're awesome yeah so to break it down they are Dealerless electronic tables, so that minimizes errors. You don't have to tip. All good things. And then, of course, my favorite piece and the piece that I always throw in here every single week is being able to play those prop bets on the side and throw in a couple of games of blackjack while you're waiting for other hands to finish. That I love. So... If you have not already been able to find a place with these, I listed off a whole bunch of them before, but find a place with these tables and check them out. Let us know what they're, what you, your take on them is, and uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear what everybody else is thinking about these because I think they're phenomenal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you actually dive down deep into it, I mean, just those quick little points, I mean, it, it prevents any errors. You don't, like you said, you don't have to tip. Look, we all love our dealers to a certain extent, but at some point, like, you know, if you don't have to deal with one, you don't have to deal with one. It's kind of nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, you already have to beat the rake. So if you're having, if you're trying to beat the rake and tip in the dealer, and by the way, if you have a dealer, tip the dealer. Yes. Yes. We're not saying that. <laughs> tip the dealer. I don't care if you like him, dislike him, him, her, or whatever. Tip the dealer. That being said. If you happen to be in somewhere that has a jackpot digital table, then you're, you know, you're good to go. Right. All right. So we have a hand of the week this week that's sent in by Ken Douglas, and he's he actually sent in two of them. Okay. So we'll we'll do his second one next week. But in this one, we are. I'm assuming they're from the same same game. I'm not sure, but at least in this one, we're playing two five, no limit. On a Saturday night, we bought in for $1,000, which is the table max. And Ken says we're having a great night. Five hours into our session, we have a stack of $2,550. Let's go, Ken. And we are the second biggest stack at the table. The biggest stack is $2,700, and that person is to our immediate right. And he gives a little description here, which means we're probably going to tangle with them. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> they are a young, and then in the parentheses he says about 26 years old, <laughs> regular semi-pro 
who plays very aggressive but solid and always seems to have a never-ending stack of $100 chips in his pocket to reload. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't enter many hands light, but will mix it up from time to time. Yeah. So there's there's where we stand. And in this hand, we're in the middle position. Okay. Under the gun plus one raises to 25. The villain to our right, three bets to $90. And we look down at the ace of spades, ace of hearts. Let's go. <laughs> so, Patrick, how are you going to start this hand out? Oh, See, this is where you and I are probably going to differ, but I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm just going to call that. Why? My gut reaction is I don't want him to know what I have. If I come over the top, then he's going to put me at aces or put me at ace king or, you know, something. So a a call there is probably the bet that I wanted to put in anyways. I'm good with the call there. I don't want to know what I have. Okay. I mean, I get get it. If if we four bet, it does... A lot of times it will scream aces. Um, yeah. I don't know how we've been playing up to this point, if there's been a lot of four betting or three betting or any of that. But uh, I would say one of these hands that we're up against is probably going to have enough to continue. So uh, I don't have a problem with a four bet. I, I think I'm going to put 300. I'm going to make it 300. Okay. And hopefully we get it down to heads up that way. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. So Ken says, four bets are rare in this game. (laughs) (laughs) But against this player, he will continue with hands besides aces, kings, queens, and ace kings. So we four bet to 270. Come. Uh, It folds back to him and he calls. So there's your heads up. Yep. So there is 572 in the pot. Come. We're heads up, and the flop is two of clubs, two of hearts, five of clubs. He checks to us. <laughs> <laughs> How bad would it suck if if we just ha- came up pocket aces versus pocket deuces, and, <laughs> and then the flop comes out like that? Don't do that to us. <laughs> For the record, we do not know what what the result of this hand is. But don't do that to us. <laughs> I haven't had a nightmare in a few weeks, and that could be right. back. <laughs> um, God, a check to us. Pot's at 572. I mean, I probably half pot, like, you know, two, 280, two, two, 275, something like that. Yeah, I get, the, I get that. Definitely, in all seriousness, not putting a lot of deuces in his hand. He three bet. Yeah, I mean, and then we four bet. So I, I'm not sure he's he's three betting deuces. Is he three betting pocket fives? Maybe, maybe, but doubtful. You know, I I I think I definitely want him coming along with this one. Yeah. So I'm gonna bet a little over quarter pot. So okay. I'm thinking like 175. Come. Okay. And Ken says. This is an easy continue, as I have the effective nuts against his four-bet continue range. I make it 250. Okay, so he's kind of aligned with where I was at, just a little less. Yeah. He calls after a few seconds of thought, so the pot is 1,072. Escalating quickly. Yeah, real quick. The turn 
is the ace of clubs. He checks again. So now what? We shove. Oh. <laughs> so the pot's 1,072. We've got what? Two, so two, three. We've got well over a pot. Yeah. So you're just going to put it in now? I'm just going to put it in now. Okay. It, it, here, here's the thought process. We've got it. Right. Do we want some more chips? Yes. But it also might set the tone for later, too. I mean, if he's the biggest stack, we take the kid down now. I mean, I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I'm definitely going to try and milk this for a little bit more. Yeah. I don't want to fold right now, and I can't think of a hand unless they have those pocket twos. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So, yeah. So, here's the two strategies. So, you either you either you know go aggressive like me, or milking it. What's the bet to milk it with the pot at ten seventy two? Well, I think I'm gonna go a little bit bigger than I did before. They came along, so I definitely still want them to think that I'm a little bit scared of the next card. So, probably make it seven hundred. Okay. What's our What's our guy Ken do? Ken says, I consider continuing, but assume he will fold almost any hand to a bet. I can check back and make it seem like I had a standard C bet on the flop with ace-king and am now giving up or trying to get to showdown cheaply, so I check back hoping to induce a bet on the river. Huh. Okay. So let's, let's, let's break that down for a minute. <laughs> If we see bet the flop with ace king, would we be giving up when we make our top pair with top kicker? I feel like a, a, a C bet on the flop, then check on the river feels like we might be scared of an ace or our hand just turned into a monster. Right. Which it's actually the, the second the case, second, yeah, right? It's the latter, yeah. So I think, in my opinion, I think we should continue here because it tells a more compelling story. I feel like this may be the point where we come back later in the story to analyze. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it went check, check. And the river is the five of diamonds. And our opponent now leads for $250. Shove. Okay. Um, I don't, I still don't, don't think I'm ready to, I, I still don't think I'm ready to just put it all out there. Tell me. Let's let's do the math here. What do we what do we have in our stack? It was 2550 2550 is what we started with. We made it 270 at the beginning and then 250. So that's 520 and then it went check check. So 2030 left. Yeah, I'm not ready to shove there. Can I ask why? As a true learning, like, you know, hand of the week, like really deep down, why not? Just afraid I'm, of this guy crazily playing twos or fives? No, I, I don't want him to fold at Fair. this point okay. right now. Okay, okay. Not out of a fearsome, you just want to milk more. Yeah. Fair, come. And, I mean, if we were, if we checked on the previous street to induce a bet, we got a bet. So yeah. let's let's bring it in. God, I hope he. I, I'm hoping he has uh, the nut flush. Although I just now that I'm thinking about that too, that board's awfully scary for a flush to lead into. 
So I don't know that 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 probably is the case. Yeah, probably like a smaller boat or something like that. But I'm gonna raise to seven fifty. Okay. Which was which is what it was the same thought that you had on the turn too. With the third nuts, this is Ken. Ken says with the third nuts, we now go for a value raise, and assume assume he is bluffing, but hope he somehow has a five. Okay. We raised to seven hundred. Right in line. There we go. Leaving us a little over thirteen hundred behind. Yep. He tanks for about a minute and shoves, covering us. Well, I just mean, call me Nostradamus call. that, yes, call, yes. We just, you guys went about it the, the right way probably to, to you know, get him milking it, and that way you're in, so. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We have, what, two hands that beat us, I think, at this point? Yeah, twos and fives, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, Nothing I can't, else. Can't be can't be afraid of monsters under the bed, so it has to be a call. Yeah. Um. I, I I really can't even see him playing pocket twos, pocket fives. A little bit of sense, but I'm gonna make him on like king five suited. See okay. That, something like that. So tell me, Ken, Ken snap called. Ken said we are sick. We only lose to pocket twos and pocket fives. Both hands easily in his range. I don't I don't know that I would say easily in his range, but he says ace five is also possible, which okay. we beat. Problem is there are only two combos of ace five left, and neither are suited. We also beat ace deuce, which has two combos and one is diamonds. It's possible he plays this hand this way with ace king which has four combos available. And then he goes on to say, although I think there is a good chance we are beat, I call and he tables pocket fives for rivered quads. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm... What? Packing it up. He's packing it up. I'm packing it up. It's January 4th. We, we haven't even got started yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, he says, Ken says, I lose the $5,100 pot, the biggest pot I have ever played. Although it was a sick hand, I view this as a cooler that we were getting in the chips no matter what after the flop. Yes, I agree. It's a cooler. I don't, I wouldn't say after the flop, the chips were definitely going in, but after the turn, definitely. I, I think if... I think on the flop you could get away from it, but not on not on the turn. I I yeah, I'm, I'm sick for him. I mean, looking back at it, are you really willing to shove at the turn? Does he fold the boat? The boat, because yeah, because he flopped the boat. You're probably right. He probably doesn't. Yeah, it, especially if the joke was he's got plenty of hundred dollar chips to fund it back in, and he goes right back <laughs> into it. Then the kids yeah. back in. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's look at it this way. Here's here's the best way to look at it, I think. He has he has pocket fives, five hits on the flop. He has one card and all of the cards that are left, he has one card in the deck that's going to beat us. Yeah. That's like 2%. He's got a 2% chance of winning that hand. 
It just is what it is there, right? Yeah. Sucks. It sucks because you grinded up that stack for like five hours. And this is what's, (laughs) this is where poker is brutal. You grind up that stack for five hours to see that happen right there. Yeah. I mean, it, you lose that hand every time. I mean, you really do. I mean, an aggressive player that you're going up against, either that or you somehow on God's green earth fold the boat. And you don't do that. No. No. You don't like do I it. Like I said, you're, you're not going to fold to a 2% chance that you just got beat. No. You're not going to do it. Never. And, uh, and honestly, Ken, you played it pretty well. I, I know I said we may come back to that check on the turn and say that's, you know, that's the mistake where if you would have bet there. Um, but I don't think they have, I mean, they have a boat there. So maybe they raise there and we get it in on the turn instead of the river, but we still get stacked. Yeah. The the only difference is we're ahead when we get it in instead of behind. <laughs> Gosh. We just get another bad beat story to tell where they hit their one outer on the river. Yeah. Ken, you didn't do anything wrong. You played it great. I mean, you really did. There's nothing, there's nothing to do there. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That's a rough one. I hope hand two next week. Uh, is the turnaround hand where we just make all of our money back? But, yeah, specifically um, against the kid. I yeah, don't even know this guy. I don't even like him. <laughs> you know what? If he's out there listening, I I want him to tell his version of the story. <laughs> and then at least has a winning side of it. Man, wow. Okay, well, round two with Ken next week. Hopefully, it's a little bit better. Yep. yep. Thank you, Ken, for sending that in, and. Uh, if anyone else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down after next week, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. And Patrick, we're out. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. It's time for Joe's One Outer. I have a shirt that says, No one cares what you folded. And it does drive me crazy. When the hand's over and you hear that one person that folded pre-flop chime in with, ah, I would have won, then proceeds to inform the table of the hand that they folded properly, I might add, that would have somehow turned into the best hand. However, should I be so quickly annoyed? I mean, they're giving me free information. And at the poker table, isn't any and all information good? I generally try to extract as much information from a player as I can during any given session. So why is it that this tends to rub me the wrong way? 2024 is a time to set new precedents. So this year, when I hear, I shouldn't have folded my 9-4 offsuit, I would have won that hand. I'm going to try to be more patient. And I'll keep listening because when I hear words like that from the same person, multiple times, they may not resist that urge to throw the hand away next time. Then all we have to do is fade that golden horseshoe they may have giving them a wedgie. (laughs) That's today's one outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnnieUpMagazine.com. 
Contact the show at podcast at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com.